Hey guys, welcome to the debrief. After our episode with Lynn Alden, David, we've had Lynn on. Is this the fourth time? Yeah, time I number. Th this is the third macro episode, and then we had a proof of stake versus proof of work, uh, work debate with between her and Justin Drake. But yes, third third macro episode. Great episode. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of my favorite macro episodes that we've ever done because it gave me a lot of like answers personally right. that I've been trying to to figure I out. I will be re-listening um, to that episode. Yeah, me too. So what, what were some of your main takeaways? What were some of the things that um, I, I guess you would highlight or like the things that were clarified for you? Yeah, I, and a lot of things that we came to a, a kind of a, I felt like a collective conclusion, at least you and me, um, is that market cycles are definitely speeding up. So like in 2021 with NFTs, it was like, it's the roaring 20s, like money's cheap, like stimmy checks. Uh, but then because things move faster now, like literally decades are being compressed into years, it's, it's not, it wasn't the roaring 20s, it was just the roaring 2021. Now it's 2022 and now we're into the 30s, right? So it's the 2022 depression. And so depre depression's probably gonna last longer than, bad is gonna last longer than good. That seems like a logical conclusion You're using that D word, depression. Yeah. Is that intentional? Uh, I mean, a little bit. As in, it's, I, do you know, here was, here was my takeaway on the recession versus depression thing is I don't think Lynn thinks we're going to have a depression, but the possibilities out there mm -hmm. depends on a lot of factors that we talked about. Um, but we might have a bad recession, yeah. yet it's not going to be evenly distributed. Yes, that's the conclusion I took. I think some parts of the world are, will experience a capital D depression. Will America? Probably not. Parts of America, maybe. Not most of it. And like my, my general sentiment and how I'm kind of approaching the crypto winter, but also perhaps just like the general markets winter is like, you gotta, you're gonna have to grit your teeth a little bit, but if you do, it'll be okay. Like if you do button down the hatches, if you do trim off your finances, if you do like grind and work hard, then it'll be okay. It's obviously not gonna be like 2021 where we're buying like JPEGs and monkey pictures for bajillions of dollars. But like it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be fine. We're gonna find our way through it. That it's markets seem to not be so extreme these days in the sense that like the the Great Depression was an actual extreme. Uh, yeah, you, you know though, even though this not evenly distributed thing, mm -hmm. um, you know, like you might think to yourself, oh, if you're bankless listener, you're listening to this. Hey, I'm in a developed country. I'm not living necessarily paycheck to paycheck. Like I'll be fine. But the thing about the 1930s was the depression wasn't evenly distributed either, right? Like if you look at like Germany and the Weimar Republic mm -hmm. in the 1920s and into the 1930s, like they had it real bad compared to the rest of the world. And out of that came fascism, came Nazism, came this toxic mm -hmm. um, like authoritarianism that took countries hold and allowed them to elect leaders like Adolf Hitler and others. And right. this is like back to kind of what I, I worry about, right? Which is yeah. like, it, it's that, so much that could be the curveball. Yeah, that could be, a, that could be the, a curveball here. And we're all in the same boat together as, at, you know, as humanity. So it's not like, oh, I'm in this corner of the world and I'll be fine. But this other group of humans over in this corner of the world, maybe they'll suffer. Like, it's at some level, it's incumbent on us to go help that other group of humans, right? right? And even not just through pure altruism, because like that other group of humans uh, could could come out of this 
with some like militaristic tendencies or some populist tendencies or some toxic tendencies that could yeah. engulf the entire world. And th that is one thing that is like, I guess, beyond a macro analysis, but something that comes in a lot of Ray Dalio's thinking mm -hmm. of how there's just all this Tinder, David, yeah. uh, in, in the, in a world like the 1930s. And if that's what the, you know, 1920s are shaping up as it's like, like something could ignite it and something could happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm also conscious of that. As a, there, the last time we uh, had Lynn Alden, we talked about um, the downstream effects of the 2008 crisis and how the 2008 crisis led to a gutting of uh, American internal manufacturing. Uh, and like things like Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, all these like the car production facilities, a lot of manufacturing states, they outsource a lot of that labor as a result of the OA crisis abroad. And that was a part of the story of the Triffin dilemma because the United States has a global reserve currency that during times of depression, recession, dollar strength goes up because everyone has dollar debts. And when dollar strength goes up, that, that slows internal production and it pushes things outbound. And because of global dollar demand, I'm just running through the whole story here, because of global do dollar demand, Demand. We have to sell dollars and export dollars, and then we get to buy stuff for free. That's like the American privilege. We get to buy stuff for free. But if we buy stuff for free, we don't manufacture that stuff inside our own domestic territory, meaning we don't have local jobs. And these local and not having local jobs turned into like this a lot of flipping of blue states into red states during uh, the, the Donald Trump election. And whether you believe in Donald Trump as good or bad, it doesn't really matter. Donald Trump is chaotic. And, and regardless. And so that's kind of what I'm worried about is that like economic rep uh, depressions or recessions or whatever creates chaos. Uh, and it, it allows like uh, un, uh, uh, an upset populace to do something chaotic, like elect a chaotic leader. And so that is a curveball that like we could just see that repeat pretty, pretty easily here. Yeah, I guess that's the point is like we're not only hoping for mm -hmm. a um, soft landing on the macro asset price side, inflation side of things and kind of this this gradual inflation. We're also looking for like a soft landing mm -hmm. from a political yeah, domestic standpoint. Yeah as well from a domestic um, standpoint, from a, a, like, can we get through this decade, this chapter of human history, I mean, without major kinetic warfare right. of some shape or form? Like, I really hope so. And that's always the curveball. Of course, it's, it's hard to talk about that with Lynn. And I heard her, um, you know, hedging a few times on that or like uh, um, allowing that as a possibility, like absent some uh, kinetic mm -hmm. war or something like this, then this is how I expect to play out. But that, that political instability and that political chaos right. is, um, is, is a, the curveball here. A source of contagion, right? Like even if it doesn't have happen in America, she like listed off some countries, like she said like Sri Lanka. And so like, therefore put every single country that's like of similar, sure. or similar some, properties like Sri Lanka into the same bucket. Or country in Europe. Right. Right. Or like, and so we, we have this populace that gets uh, like, especially with food, like food is huge. When food prices go up, when famine happens, people, people get angry. Yeah, people, people, people start yes. like turning into like pitch, pitchforks and, and torches. Right. And so that is extremely chaotic. And even if that happens on the periphery, rather than just like uh, the, the center of global commerce, like that contagion can lead into more contagion. Yeah. I, I guess it's, I mean, what do we do? Right. What do you do about that, bankless right. listener? To like, so we, <laughs> it's not, I, I just feel so powerless in the face of all of that. And the thing that I feel like I can control 
are some of what we actually ended with, mm -hmm. which is just be ready for some chaos yeah. in this decade in your life. And even in the best case scenario, right, of world doesn't catch fire, right. there's not wars, there's not large scale, you know, you know, famines and loss of life and, you know, tragedy. And you know, the central bankers of the world let some air out of this big balloon through inflation and it's bad, but it's not real bad. Like, even in that scenario, you have to prepare. But like, I, I'm curious, David, like, do you feel prepared going into the 2020s? Like, how prepared do you feel? Um, I, I, during the bull market, I did not take action that would have prepared me for a significant <laughs> recession. <laughs> yes. I will say that. Um, yeah. But, I mean, as a personal disposition, like, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty adaptable. I can kind of do anything. You're pretty mentally prepared. I'm me yeah, I'm kind of mentally prepared, prepared for anything. Yeah. Uh -huh. Community prepared. Yeah. I, I think like being digitally native. Digitally native is huge. In and of yeah. itself mm -hmm. is like a huge preparation. Right. Like, Very anti-fragile. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. Like um, being plugged into these digital communities. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if things fracture, I feel like that's going to be a competitive advantage. Right. The way you work. Can you make money also, on the internet? Yeah. I... I, I really um, worry about people who are like getting into a career track where they sort of expect, oh, this is the thing I'm going to do 40 years here and I'll get my retent like I'll get my retirement right. and maybe there'll be some sort of pension at the end of that. Like that to me is a, a fragile sort of position right. to be in. Right. Um, th that's why I, there, there's that um, uh, who wrote anti-fragile. Um, Nicholas Taleb. Nassim Taleb. Nassim, yeah, Nassim Taleb. There was that, that chapter in anti in that book where he compared about the fragility of jobs between like a barber and a W two salaried employee at some like mega corp company, right? W two salaried employee, sixty thousand dollars a year. It's totally fixed, uh, and they just work for a few years. But that job is fragile because one day they could just get axed and their income drops to zero. Versus like a barber, maybe they make $40,000 a year, $45,000 a year, but some days they make $0. Some days they make $1,000. Then the next day they make $200. Then the next day they make $700. Or the, and then just even, it's chaotic, right? But it's locally chaotic, but it's long-term stable. And so like because of the, the local chaos, that p makes that person anti-fragile, right? Because they can't, they don't know how much income they're gonna make the next day. That, that local chaos turns into long-term sustainability. Whereas if you're a salaried WT employee and you're, it's your plan just to be at this one company for five, 10, 15 years, that's a very fragile position because your income can drop to zero very, very quickly. And so if you're not built for that, that, uh, that chaos, then you become fragile. Uh, and so that, that's always kind of stuck with me. And I think that's definitely always uh, a huge net positive for people that work in the crypto space. Crypto, super chaotic. It goes up ridiculously every four years and then it goes down ridiculously every four years, actually every two years. Uh, and so like that chaos is so, in, that's baked into to crypto. So even these companies that have fundraised recently or a long time ago or are still looking to fundraise, we are built inside of a chaotic industry. And so that local time frame of two years of chaos turns into like a 20 year like safety, safe net, like robustness. Because we, you know, crypto was volatile before there was like a big recession, depression in the external world. And so like, we're used to this, like this is normal for us. Oh yeah, there's something about crypto that makes you kind of bomb-proof to volatility. Yeah. 
volatility that's coming in the 2020. So mm -hmm. I think if you're in crypto, you'll probably hold up better. This will be like expected. This won't seem as extreme or as severe. Um, I will say from like a, everyone in the 2020s is probably going to be questioning, where do I store my value? Mm -hmm. And Lynn's answer to that was interesting, right? Her answer is like uh, a diverse cross-section of, of assets, basically. So I have my dollars, you know, you know, kind of to pay bills and such. And then I'm doing some commodities, may maybe some kind of light uh, equities. I have some Bitcoin, but it's kind of like a diverse cross-section. Um, to me, that's always been a little comp complicated for me personally. But like, I will say one thing that I think holds up decently well in the 2020s and I've been saying this since like one of the like the very first bankless newsletter is this crypto barbell strategy where it's just two assets mm -hmm. so all you have to think about is two assets right on the one side the super safe asset which is dollars mm -hmm. straight dollars no yield treasuries if you no want. block fi yield <laughs> yeah no block fi yield i'm talking straight dollars dollars this in your, your bank account yeah, dollar basically in your bank account your or boomer bank USDC account. or something like this, something like a near bank account. Okay, so dollars on the one side. All right, on the other side, what the world would call extremely risky assets. Right. That is crypto, your crypto portfolio, and these are pr predominantly crypto monies, but then also you know some other tokens you might speculate on that sort of thing. Nothing in between, no right. commodities, right. no no equities, no right. equities, right. no gold, no nothing. These two things, mm -hmm. all right? Uh, for, for, real estate also, I would put in the dollar side. Maybe, Pri maybe a house, maybe yeah. something you live in. If you want to speculate on real estate, I, I will tell you for me personally, I don't do that. Yeah. Like it's just, I have a house, whatever, there's some of that, but like I don't do real estate. I just do dollars and crypto and that's the crypto barbell strategy. So it's nice because in really chaotic downturn times, of like crypto has lost 80%, 90%, 95%. You're like, oh, you've got the dollar side of things. Life's not over, continues, you can still live. If you've done things well, really well, through multiple cycles, you have some reserve to actually buy the dips, right? And then when things go really well, and by the way, like crypto in this environment in the 2020s that Lynn was describing, to me is an incredibly bullish asset class, right? In a world of, Denominator money supply continuing mm -hmm. to increase. Crypto is inc inherently bullish. She, she said it. She said a decentralized monetary standard. And she, yes. what she meant was, you know, decentralized as in many nation states participating. But right. if the market demands a decentralized money standard, crypto falls into that same category. Yeah, the new basket of reserve currency is not just going to be, you know, the Chinese yuan mm -hmm. uh, and the dollar. And like maybe sprinklings of the euro in the end and other things, crypto is going to be at the table too. Mm -hmm. Get like pretty much like that's going to happen. I have high conviction uh, on that, and so and none of my conviction has left me after this episode. Yeah. By the way, the reason in the Lynn episode we didn't talk about crypto is because every other bankless podcast is about right. crypto, and it is so about I, crypto. Like, like macro markets are macro sure. is everything. Totally. But anyway, this barbell strategy I feel like still really holds up nicely. And you got to rebalance mm -hmm. at various times, but um, that's that's kind of my uh, like my my philosophy on on where to store your value, and it's also in, you know investing. I do feel like I could get a little bit better on kind of the self sufficiency side of things um, to prepare, um, even like down to like where you like where I live, mm. right? It's like um, 
How about the state you're in? How about the country yeah. you're in? That's one, th it's one thought that came to my head. Is like, I feel like New York is probably the best state to live in in a recession or a new city. I don't know. Maybe. I, I think you want to have multiple options. That's yeah. all. It's in, and that's something mm -hmm. I want to develop for myself is to have some other options potentially. Um, but anyway, that, what, what other thoughts did you have coming away from this? I said it in the intro is that, um, that grabbing, uh, having a bear market buddy, like having ideas to bounce off of. And, and something I've noticed, uh, in, in there, there's a couple like, uh, groups of people that I know that did really, really well in the bull market. And they're groups of people, not like a fund, but just like a couple people. Like when you, when you have like a second person who's like, you know, and you're just talking about like being transparent about your bags and what you're up to. Just like having a second person around keeps you sane and keeps you stable. Uh, and so it, during time, and this is what Lynn said, like, you know, like find loved ones, find, like be, be with people that you value uh, for, just for your mental health. But also just like, especially in crypto, this is why crypto A is super social. And if you don't have somebody in your local periphery uh, to like bounce ideas off of, like find your bear market buddy. Like you can maintain this, crypto sanity by having a second person in your life to talk about this. It's this, this balance with. of like self-reliance, but you also want to have a community, right? right. How, how do you talk about both of those things? Cause you kind of want both. Right. And like the community that you're in should be a like-minded group of other people and who are also trying paying to attention more, to the same things you are. Yeah. And trying to become self-reliant. Right. But like, what does that look like practically? I mean, for me, it's like, Discord groups right. that I'm in. Discord. Um, it's um, Telegram groups. Mm -hmm. It's group group messengers. It's like people that I know in the real world physically, but also like friends that I have around the world that I right. kind of like that are my internet friends. But I mean, that distinction is sort of, I guess, losing losing some mm -hmm. um, relevance here is because they're just friends now. You could drop the internet thing. Yeah. Is that what it is for you? Yeah, it's like, where's the group chat, right? And when I open up, I have like a group chat with some friends on Instagram. Uh, and there's like five, six, seven of us in there. And if I go in there, like there's probably a message for me, like waiting for me like right now. I could probably open it up and just like get somebody's attention in the next like five minutes. And so like th that makes this like internet room something that like is ever present omnipresent, right? And so like, if I, I can go and just re receive a reply on something almost instantaneously from like this group of five or six dudes who I all know. And so like something like that, that just like, it's in the back of your head. It's like, well, my day is shit. I just wanna sit down on my couch and hang out with my bros and bros live in different cities because that's what the world is right now. And so, but they're in the chat, right? And this is, goes back to this like uh, article that you and I reference all the time on Bankless, which is Squad Wealth. Uh, Squad Wealth by Other Internet. If you haven't read that, definitely read that. Um, it's just like, you know, so, so somebody's out there has got your back. Uh, and just like having that knowledge can help you just feel more secure. Totally. You got to approach this as a, as a squad. Yeah. So. Um, I felt like I got a lot of answers, David. Mm -hmm. You know that question that I always had about uh, how is the Fed going to raise interest rates to like, you know, 5% and yet pay its, pay its debt? And she talked about kind of this breaking point. That mm -hmm. was a great answer yep. um, from her. Also, the dollar milkshake theory. She mm -hmm. had some kind of nuance around that, um, that there's actually a cap. Like the, the dollar can only appreciate so much before actually things start breaking. And um, the Fed takes some steps to kind of unwind the dollar's appreciation. So I feel like I got an answer there. One big insight for me was even where, you know, we might just see, we might start to see inflation cooling, like her main point about, well, I actually anticipate in the 2020s, we'll get to like the cyclical inflation. Well, like it'll jack up to like 
eight or nine percent, right? And then and then suddenly, maybe a few quarters later, it's like down to four percent. You're like, oh, cool, that's over. We're going back. We're going back to the, you know, the two mm-hmm. thousands, early two thousands, and the two percent. And but like, no, it'll be cyclical because right. then, a few quarters right. later, it'll pop back up to eight nine percent. You'll be like, oh my god, it's double digit. I think we're gonna oscillate mm-hmm. between that a lot. And we're going to have a, a better mental model. The, for the roaring 2021, the depression 2022, the roaring 2023. Rinse, watch, yeah. repeat. You know, there's that, there's that one scene in a Futurama uh, episode. I love Futurama, by the way. One of my favorite TV shows. And like, there, there's all these bankers in this like NASDAQ style building. And like the NASDAQ loses like 30%. And they all just like throw themselves out the window to commit suicide. <laughs> right. And then it goes up like 40%. And then they all, because it's Futurama, they all have jetpacks. And so they go back, <laughs> they like go back into their window. They start popping champagne. And then it falls down again. And they just, yeah. And so it's going to yeah, be that. Like get ready for five bear markets by the end of 20, <laughs> 20 the decade. Yeah. If, if you're not bomb proof now, you will be at the end of this decade. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the, the last thing I think was a great point is, um, how under, you, you know, she made the point we're so undersupplied in commodities right Mm, now mm -hmm. and particularly, um, energy, right. Which is, uh, I, uh, I'm sort of surprised, David, I haven't paid much attention to energy markets. I don't know if if that's something you've done, but I'm kind of surprised we're in the state that we're in, Mm. which is like how dependent Europe is on natural gas. Well, like, have you heard the story about this? Well, not the story, but I've uh, heard from Ky- like Kyla Scanlon. I've been following a little bit. It's just, is this the story of like how resistant Europe was to nuclear? Exactly. Yeah. And this was like a current thing attack. Uh, so like Mark Andreessen's current thing, the current thing in Europe was like nuclear. And there were these like, these like people that just got a bunch of drummed up a bunch of drama about nuclear energy and how it's bad. It's a catastrophe. You can't have nuclear. And it was completely anti-science based in no, based in not any grounds of reality. And as a result, and it it was a successful just like movement that it delayed Europe's investment into nuclear energy when it needed it the most. Uh, and so, like, the, as soon as, like, Russia invades Ukraine and, like, starts to disrupt the energy markets there, Europe has to go back to goddamn coal. I know. Like, and, and and so, so Because we never invested in nuclear. We never invested right. in infrastructure. It's uh, when, she, when she was talking about that, and, the, like, the U.S., my understanding, again, I don't follow energy markets closely, but the U.S. is in a much um, better place because yeah. it has just such a, natu- a store of natural gas. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even the U S has not invested right. in nuclear in any way, right. shape or form. But like, I'm just, um, so surprised that everyone seemed to be caught flat footed. Right. And now we have such an undersupply of these basic commodities. Mm-hmm. There are other commodity categories too, that are very important, but like energy in and of itself, right. It's like, how did we let that happen? And like the solution is in the 1930s, we did not have nuclear power plants. Of right. course we didn't have the you know energy consumption we do today, but um, technology is actually the solution for all of this. Mm-hmm. And this is what um, Lynn kept going back to. Of when you ask for a silver lining, it always seemed to come back to like, like building, uh, right. technology, Builders. Uh, new stuff. We have, to, we have to go through this period in the new normal, and then we have to build our way out of right. it. Uh, and puts, uh, uh, yeah. puts new meaning on the build market rather than, oh, the, than the bear market. But the build market was like, okay, uh, we need to reframe this pessimistic bear market into something more optimistic. But then that makes it, well, is we actually have no choice. We kind of have to build or oh, yeah. else we will actually not make it. Yeah, there's there's literally no alternative, yes. right? And so we this must build. applies 
this applies to crypto, but I think it applies to the rest of the world. Rebuild our supply chains, right? Re onshore, more manufacturing. Like, uh, we can't be dependent on just in time mm -hmm. anymore. We have to rebuild our energy, uh, energy markets and our energy supplies from the ground up, our sources for commodities. It's a lot of build market that has to happen. And, um, it's becoming more clear to me that this is not a quick fix. Yes. So I guess let me let me end by asking you this. At least I don't have anything else to talk about besides this, which is, so now how do you feel mm. at the end of this episode? So I've been kind of tracking my David right. chart. <laughs> are you, are you and my David me? chart was like, like, I think that you've been pretty worried yeah. about the potential of a capital D depression. Yeah. Has this episode uh, made you more worried the da on, right. on the David chart? Or like less worried? Are you leaving this up or is it kind of neutral? My worry is more clear. I think it made me slightly more worried. Okay. Um, but at and, least you know why you're worried. Yeah. Yeah. And like and to, to elaborate on that, it's is that like I could totally like when when we started talking about the Russian uh war uh, a couple weeks later, the, it turned into like the food and fertilizer conversation, and that I remember seeing stories like Africa's got like like three months of food, and that was about three months ago. Uh, and so, like I, I, uh, the way that markets work and the way that w the world works is we don't know anything. We largely we don't know things until after they happen. And so, like I'm totally leaving room for like something that happens that's unexpected, like some like dark horse event or black swan event where like, oh, uh, like all those like bad, like high energy prices, like can't grow enough food. Some like part of the corner of the globe rev revolts and you just see the writing on the walls like, well, that country's not gonna have enough food either. And then that country's not gonna have any food. And like, like bank runs are run one thing. What about a goddamn food run? You know how everyone is buying TP and at the start of COVID? Well, what happens if we actually take that seriously and literally food becomes scarce? like. That sounds like a that sounds like a complete dire circumstance and just like fear mongering. But like the thing is, like you can see the steps to like how we would get there, and that's what scares me the most. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll continue tracking my David chart. <laughs> how do you here, chart this thing? Like, are we talking about X Y graph or I like know, what? It's just sentiment. It's just in my head. It's just kind of like <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's David up or is David down? How how are you counter trading this, this? By the way. <laughs> I'm not. I, I think that um, that that was the key word for me, though, mm -hmm. at the end of this episode is what you said, which is clarity. Mm -hmm. um, I am kind of, you know, somewhat, it was somewhat jarring to hear part of Lynn's advice to be like, stockpile. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, stockpile. Stockpile is right. a thing you should be doing. Food, medical supply. Really? Mm. really? Mm. It's come to that. Right. But like in the backdrop of potential black swan event and the, right. the chaos, Right. what we sort of like expect. We are it's not one crazy. black swan event from total destruction, it seemed like. Yeah. One bad, I guess, a second, like a second COVID that was equal or greater than COVID. Oh God, we'd be decimated. I guess it's always been like that though. And so maybe the stability mm. was a facade all along, David. Right. Right. I so, know. but I think like, just to emphasize that is like, what if there's a bigger thing than COVID on the horizon? The David charts are going down. David <laughs> charts are going down as we're speaking. So we better end it here. The debrief. Hey guys, the great thing about Bankless is this is a journey we do together. Right. We are leveling up together. Right. And we are learning together. And I hope you are using this mm -hmm. podcast and your Bankless Premium membership 
to sort through mm -hmm. some of the signal from the noise. That was one of the takeaways from the Lint episode is just not only good information is coming at you faster, but bad information is. And so how uh, do you sort through Good, that? bad information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, we are helping, I hope we are helping you mm -hmm. sort through that because I feel like um, I, I'm learning every episode we record and uh, it's great to have you. Great to yeah. have you along the journey. We're going to yeah. do these 2020s together. Yeah. We're, they're, podcasting does not really depend on macro environments. Uh, we will put out podcasts so long as the internet is still online. <laughs> That's right. That's all we need. It's an internet <laughs> uh -huh. and a Zoom link. That's all we need. Uh, guys, this has been The Debrief. Thanks for hanging with us.